taking a step back and and shooting a, a selfie from the top of a building or a GoPro video from the uh, leaning over the front of a cruise ship or maybe you and I skiing at Mammoth and we kind of cross the ropes, we're out of bounds, we're someplace we shouldn't be. But if it's a well-known spot to watch the sun setting in the, in the high Sierras and Mammoth knows about that and they're still letting people hike over or ski over to that spot and something bad happens, are there any consequences? Welcome to the award-winning podcast, Lawyer to Lawyer, with J. Craig Williams, bringing you the latest legal news and observations with the leading experts in the legal profession. You're listening to Legal Talk Network. Welcome to Lawyer to Lawyer on the Legal Talk Network. I'm Craig Williams coming to you from a sunny Southern California. I write a legal blog called May It Please the Court, have a book out titled The Sled, and another one, How to Get Sued. Well, before we introduce today's topic, we'd like to take this time to welcome and thank our sponsors, Clio and Blue Jay Legal. Clio's cloud-based practice management software makes it easy to manage your firm from intake to invoice. You can try it for free at clio.com. That's C-L-I-O.com. And Blue Jay Legal. Blue Jay Legal's AI-powered foresight platforms accurately predict court outcomes and accelerate case research by using factors instead of keywords. You can learn more at bluejlegal.com. That's blue, the letter J, legal.com. Bluejlegal.com. Well, social media and the ubiquity of technology have created a culture where people feel compelled to capture a moment and immediately share it with their friends, family, and followers. Oftentimes, this takes the form of a selfie. A selfie is defined as a photograph that one has taken of oneself, usually with a smartphone or a webcam. Unfortunately, with the quest for the perfect selfie, some people have put themselves in extreme danger, resulting in injury and even death. According to a study in India's Journal of Family Medicine and Primary Care, between 2011 and 2017, some 259 people were reported killed worldwide in selfie-related incidents. Drownings, falls, fires, and automobile accidents have been just some of the leading causes of death, according to the report. Today on Lawyer to Lawyer, we will discuss the liability that has arisen around selfies, the dangers and risks people put themselves in to meet society's obsession with capturing the perfect moment, and what may need to change. To do that, we've got a great show for you today. Our guest is attorney Mitch Jackson. He's a California trial lawyer who enjoys combining law, social media, and technology to disrupt, hack, and improve his clients' companies, causes, and professional relationships. He's the founder of the Global Legal Minds Mastermind and has written a book, The Ultimate Guide to Social Media for Business Owners, Professionals, and Entrepreneurs. And it was a number one bestseller on Amazon and a top number one new release in two separate categories. Mitch also hosts his own podcast, the Mitch Jackson Podcast, and writes his own blog entitled The Streaming Lawyer, which you can find at streaming.lawyer. And welcome to the show, Mitch. Craig, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. This is going to be fun. I think so. Well, let's talk about selfies. I mean, when you and I grew up, and I, I admit I've looked at your website, so I know we're roughly the same age, we didn't have selfies, and people weren't certainly taking pictures of themselves with Polaroids or Instamatic cameras or anything along line, those lines. How did this come about? What happened? How did the selfie generation come about? That's a good question. So I've got two kids, 25 and 19. By the way, Craig, my daughter just took the California bar. She gets her results uh, a week from Friday. Well, good luck. And Well, thank you. I'll pass that along. And, you know, watching them grow up, 
I think when you and I look back, we had family movies. Uh, you know, I just remember how excited we get when my mom or dad would take out the camera, film family movies, and then uh, show them with neighbors and friends, even though they didn't want to watch our family movies. And I think that same type of approach to videos, to photographs, um, as social media rolled out, the uh, popularity of doing so, it's become so much more, it's become easier to take pictures. And by the way, when we talk about selfies, I'm actually talking about photographs, videos, anything you can take or shoot with your camera, with a GoPro camera. That's what was behind the uh, the article and the blog post that I shared not too long ago. If you don't mind, I can just share a real quick story that kind of gives context to all of this, Craig. Sure I was thing. down at Strands taking a run. It's next to Salt Creek down here in South Orange County. And I looked over and I saw a couple of people at the far south end of Strands climbing on the rocks to take a selfie. And there was a big red sign that said, high tide, stay off the rocks. I happen to know that the bluff to the left is where rocks fall off. And I'm looking and I'm actually watching part of the bluff fall off in a ravine behind them. They couldn't see it. Uh, While they're out there trying to take that perfect selfie, which probably took one to 200 shots, right? A lifeguard drove down the beach, turned around at the end, never stopped, never got out and said anything to to this couple. Maybe they didn't see him. uh, But it got me to thinking as a trial lawyer, wow, who's responsible if one of these individuals gets hit by one of these falling rocks? Why didn't the lifeguard and who controls the beach, the city, the county, the state, depending on where you're located, you know, who's in control, management and control over people not paying attention to signs? And it just got my mind thinking. And once my mind started thinking, you know, I made the mistake of trying to put those thoughts into writing in a blog post and you know, as we've talked about before the show, a lot of different things came up with respect to legal obligations, liability, theories of liability. What can we do to protect ourselves when taking selfies? And so it's an interesting time, isn't it? Well, let, let's take a look at that. Yeah, because, you know, let's, for example, there's one that I've seen on the internet, which is funny, uh, perhaps sadly so. But there's a woman who's, uh, you know, walking, texting, paying attention to her phone and not paying attention to where she's walking, which is somewhat similar to where you're talking about. And she stumbles and falls face first into a fountain. I mean, whose fault is that? Sure. It's distracted walking, right? And uh, you and I are both trial attorneys. And, you know, I looked and approached this this topic, not really from the perspective of a trial lawyer, but I'm just interested in social media. I'm interested in the phenomena of GoPro videos and people taking selfies. And so what I thought to myself is, first of all, I think whoever's taking the selfie probably has a primary responsibility to do so in a safe and lawful fashion so as not to subject themselves or other people around them to an unreasonable uh, risk of harm. I think that's probably the general premise, at least under California law. And by the way... Yeah, that seems a pretty good safe torts definition right there. We could use that in first-year law school. You know, and what I've noticed is what goes online, what happens online, whether it's rights, liabilities, legal theories, normally there's a foundation to what you and I have been doing offline. What works offline probably applies to, to online. And And although I am a California lawyer, you know, I'm not the lawyer of anyone listening to the podcast, no legal advice is being given. But I do have some thoughts, some ideas about selfies, the world of selfie, selfies, and some things that I think people should just take into consideration before placing their, themselves at risk with trying to take that ultimate selfie. Did you see the photograph of the young lady standing on the ledge 
on a cruise ship trying right. to capture that ultimate selfie. Banned for life because of that. And and then there was another woman who was in, I believe, Thailand or someplace in the Far East where her boyfriend was in the No Horizon pool and she had kind of hung herself outside the pool, you know, with a precipitous drop beneath her. I mean, that those kinds of things seem to be just inherently dangerous. And in our torts definition, I think those individuals may be stuck with the liability. What's your sense of that? I'm okay with that. I think so too. I think you have to assume responsibility for the decisions that you make. You're talking to somebody that grew up flying hang gliders, riding and racing motocross for 38 years. In fact, I used to ride with some local judges and lawyers that you probably know here in Orange County. And I'm a firm believer and I love those types of sports. I also have no problem with assumption of risk, with signing waivers and releases. When I intentionally and knowingly participate in one of those sports or activities, then I'm assuming the risk. And I have no problem with that because I like to do that those types of things. I think Right, and I bet you ski too, don't you? I can't probably I can't snow wait. Ski? I can't wait. I can't wait for the snow to hit the ground and head up to Mammoth. Really looking forward to it. Right, and, and we've seen those tickets. These tickets that say you assume the responsibility, ski out of bounds, and you're in trouble. And every year we'll read a case that somebody sues a ski resort and they lose because it's a large assumption of the risk in that case. Absolutely. But in selfies, is there really any kind of a warning that comes with the phone that says, don't be stupid? <laughs> I'm not sure that there is, but but let's take it one step further. Let's say you have a piece of land that has a beautiful uh, sunset backdrop that happens to be a cliff or a sharp edge that you know the consumer or pedestrians routinely will go out on to shoot that ultimate selfie. And you either know or should know that the edge of that cliff uh, is breaking away, it's decaying, it's falling apart uh, a little bit more each and every week or month. Do you, as the owner of that land, have a, an affirmative obligation to warn the general public of that unstable land? Do you have an obligation to put a fence up? I mean, I don't know the answer to those questions, but my experience down on the beach did start getting my the wheels in my brain to start turning. And Craig, I've never been accused of being the brightest bulb in the lamp, but on this particular issue, I thought to myself, wow, we have liability issues for landowners. We have liability issues for people participating in selfies. If you were taking a shot of, of you and I uh, standing at some place where it's not safe, maybe out in the middle of the 405 freeway, maybe we're standing, you know, up at the top of Mammoth on, uh, you know, a dangerous run. Uh, who's responsible for placing me in that position so that you can take the ultimate selfie? Well, you know, you got there, and uh, perhaps in the skiing circumstance, you know, we all know that uh, beginners don't belong at the top of the mountain, but you know. When you talk about landowners, certainly the state has taken the lead uh, traveling up and down Pacific Coast Highway. You, I'm sure you've done it as well as I have. We've seen those bluffs and those cliffs with fences and with warning signs that the state puts up. So presumably, if the state does it, individuals would likewise have to do it. And you can't create a more dangerous situation than already exists. And that's perhaps some of the issues you're talking about. Let's talk about kids. What happens when a child underage takes a selfie and gets injured? Is it, does the reliability rest with the parents or do we still follow the same liability issues with the potential risks of what the landowners may have created? I think that the general negligence theories offline that apply to children and the standard of care and duty 
probably would apply to you and I allowing a minor or a child or a teenager or even an adult to have access to a location where selfies are known to be taken. Maybe it's the, it's the roof of a tall building and access to that roof. Maybe you have an attractive nuisance type of situation where you know as the landowner people want to jump over the fence so that they can have their picture taken next to an attractive nuisance. And so the question arises, who has the ultimate duty or responsibility to protect from known and unknown uh, unsafe situations. Now, obviously, every cause of action that I've looked at, every jury instruction, there's an affirmative defense, especially here in California with assumption of the risk, with comparative negligence. And it's just interesting to me to see how all of these things play together with selfies, selfies from the edge of a cliff, selfies GoPro videos that everybody's watching on YouTube, and what I was going to get at with extreme sports is, Craig, there's something about when you when you strap a camera on your chest or on your helmet, you start to do stupid things. And you become more brave. I don't know what it is, but nothing good ever happens, at least when I've done that. And so when you're doing that, are you doing that on your own volition? Are you doing that because somebody else is telling you to do that? Are you an employee of a company who's being told to go out and shoot selfie videos while you're rafting down a river, while you're doing a, uh, a ski run down the moguls, or while you're jumping off of Lake Elsinore in a hang glider? There's employee-employer issues. There's assumption of risk issues. And when you're dealing with with public or governmental property, then you've got the immunity issues. And it's just something that that fascinates me, and I don't see it going away. In other words, social media is new. Regardless of how comfortable and familiar all of us are with social media, we're just getting started. And people are, are... using their phones, they're using their GoPros, they're using their handheld devices to shoot more photographs, more videos. The new iPhone rolled out with a couple of different lenses, more abilities to take photographs than ever before. So, And let's it, talk about that. Let me interrupt you for just a second absolutely. there because you, prompt, you prompted the idea of the phone manufacturers or the camera manufacturers. Here you've got GoPro that can go down past the depths that a scuba diver can safely go to. You've all of a sudden got a camera on your phone, but it turns around. You've got a backward-facing camera, so you can take a selfie. Without, and you know, I have a Samsung mobile phone, like one of the newer ones, and I don't recall seeing any kind of warning in there as I accidentally hit that button to take a selfie and it turned around and faced me. Do the manufacturers have some liability here? I'm going to take the position that they don't, okay? Um, I'm okay with there not being a warning as to any perceived liabilities when it comes to selfies. I think there's a certain level of self-responsibility. It's, it's, it's like distracted driving. And maybe we could roll over to that because I think that's a good analogy. Chevrolet, Toyota, other major automobile manufacturers, do they have an obligation to warn us not to take selfies while we're driving down the street. I'm a strong advocate of the dangers of distracted driving and helping raise awareness as to the dangers of distracted driving. So I'm in that camp that it's just, you know, I have zero tolerance for anybody doing this. I don't think it's really an automobile manufacturer's job to, to, you know, to provide a warning that taking selfies can be dangerous. However, I do feel that there should be a warning letting people know that when they're looking at their dashboard and they're playing around with all the digital tools that they're interacting with, 
that that might be unsafe to take your eyes off the road. And that's a whole nother conversation. But when it comes to selfies, how many times have you driven down the freeway and watched somebody looking down at their phone or shooting selfies with their friends while they're in a moving vehicle? I mean, that's just crazy. And I don't think that's really anybody's fault but the driver of the vehicle. And there is accident after accident with it, too. There's great statistics of car accidents from people with distracted driving, the number one being texting. Unbelievable. When you look at 8 to 10 people a day, 600,000 people a year injured because of distracted driving, and that's just the reported cases. That's two to three times the number of injuries than from drunk driving. What a lot of people don't realize is every second during daylight hours in the United States, you have five to 600,000 people driving around with some type of smart device in their hand. At 55 miles an hour, looking down at your phone, which normally takes three to five seconds while texting, you're traveling the length of about a football field blindfolded. It's just crazy. So taking a step back and and shooting a a selfie from the top of a building or a GoPro video from the uh, leaning over the front of a cruise ship or maybe you and I skiing at Mammoth and we kind of cross the ropes, we're out of bounds, we're someplace we shouldn't be. But if it's a well-known spot to watch the sun setting in the, in the high Sierras and Mammoth knows about that and they're still letting people hike over or ski over to that spot and something bad happens, are there any consequences? Are there any ramifications? I know you're a defense attorney or you've done some defense work. I'm sure you can think of plenty of defenses, including assumption of the risk and comparative negligence. So it's, it's an interesting time and we'll see how this technology develops and we'll see how human psychology evolves with respect to appreciating the risk that sometimes take place when we're shooting selfies. Well, we need to take a quick break. And before we move on to our next segment, we'll hear a message from our sponsors. We'll be right back. Imagine what you could do with an extra eight hours per week. That's how much time legal professionals save with Clio, the world's leading practice management software. With intuitive time tracking, billing, and matter management, Clio streamlines everything you do to run your practice from intake to invoice. Try Clio for free and get a 10% discount for your first six months when you sign up at their website, clio.com, that's C-L-I-O.com, with the code L2L10, that's L2L, the number 10. Predict legal outcomes with Blue Jay Legal's Foresight Platforms. Using AI to analyze thousands of cases and administrative rulings, Blue Jay Legal can predict with 90% accuracy, on average, how a judge would likely rule in your case. Plus, you can research by factors and outcomes to find the relevant cases in seconds. Stay ahead of the curve and learn more at BlueJLegal.com. That's blue, the letter J, legal.com. BlueJLegal.com. And welcome back to Lawyer to Lawyer. I'm Craig Williams, and with us today is Mitch Jackson, a California trial lawyer who has written a book, The Ultimate Guide to Social Media for Business Owners, Professionals, and Entrepreneurs. We've been discussing the liability of selfies, and we've talked about a number of defenses, assumption of the risk, attractive nuisance, and and a couple of other issues, but have you seen anything, anybody trying to invoke waivers in this whole issue of liability for selfies? 
So I have. And I think what we're seeing are a lot of recreational exports companies where you're whitewater rafting, where you're rock climbing in Yosemite, where you're riding and racing motocross in Southern California. What you're seeing is photography, selfie language starting to be included in the written waivers and releases because it does add an additional risk factor to whatever you're doing. It's one thing to climb you know, a rock wall in Yosemite. It's another thing to do so with a specific intent to shoot GoPro video or selfies. It's, it's, it's a different type of activity. So they're starting to include, Craig, specific paragraphs in these waivers and releases that address and focus on selfie conduct, whether it's audio, I'm sorry, whether it's video, photographs or any other selfie type of activity. And I find that fascinating because fast forward another five or 10 years, and we're going to be talking about this same topic, except we're going to be speaking about virtual reality and mixed reality and augmented reality. And people will be shooting 360 uh, real-time video, 360 photographs, just like we're speaking, we're talking about, and it's going to take things to the next level. And it's going to bring in, into the selfie, by the way, intellectually prop, intellectual property protected content different things in the background, different audio and video noises and sounds that are protected by copyright, yet people are taking selfies and putting this out into the public domain. What are the consequences of that? What are the damages? What are the rights and remedies? So it's fascinating to see, to watch this happen in real time. So are we seeing an uptick of litigation when it comes to selfies? Are people starting to sue over this and try and blame uh, someone else for uh, for falling down a hill if that's what happened? <laughs> I haven't, and I sure hope not. Uh, that's just not the way I roll in our practice. I, I know you don't either. And uh, I think we have to assume uh, responsibility for our actions. I will tell you that I am seeing more distracted driving injuries and wrongful death cases that may or may not have to do with the improper use of a smartphone or a smart device and Oftentimes, it involves live streaming selfies where the drivers are showing themselves, they're flipping the screens around, they're showing their speedometer while the music's blasting, while they're driving down the freeway at 120 miles an hour, and they're doing that for attention, they're doing that to get more views on the YouTube channel, and uh, eventually what they're going to find is themselves as a named defendant in a civil case or a criminal defendant in a criminal action. And you mentioned the YouTube channel, and that brings up the question of what potential liability the social media sites have for this type of thing. I mean, obviously, some of these are monetized, uh, you know, kind of on the lines of America's Funniest Home Videos. Uh, and, you know, certainly YouTube benefits from people putting up these uh, types of selfies and these dangerous stunts. What liability do the social media sites for encouraging this kind of behavior and potentially paying for it? That's an interesting question. It's almost, you know, the question of the day when it comes to politics on social media, what in advertising, what is or isn't allowed, which once again, you know, is a different topic for a different time. I would suggest that from my perspective, what might be dangerous for you and I might be as easy to do as someone looking at the back of their hand for someone else. In other words, it depends on who you are and what you're doing. And I don't really have a problem with the social platforms making 
it available, making it easy for all of us to share interesting, useful, and valuable content. The question is, when does that content become harmful or dangerous, and when does the need to raise revenue override the ability of these platforms to ban certain content? I think what's interesting is when you see... um, content being shared on these platforms where you've got one individual encouraging another individual to hurt themselves, okay, or to commit suicide. And at what point does YouTube step in or Facebook step in and say, we're not going to allow this content to exist? When, we, when the content rises to that level, I personally have no problem with the platform blocking it and banning it. But when it comes to exports, when it comes to people sharing fascinating and interesting and unique selfies, quote unquote, I'm all for it. I think it's fun. I I like the activity. I think it's fun to watch people enjoy themselves. But, you know, it does raise new issues in our profession, in the legal world, as to who has the responsibilities, the duties, the obligations. Uh, both good and bad when it comes to positioning, creating, and sharing selfies. And I, I really can't wait to see which direction this topic, uh, the legal issues, the development of the law takes when it comes to selfies. I certainly don't have the, uh, the answers, but I, I know what questions to ask, and I'm curious to see how all of this pans out. Well, you know, almost to encapsulate what you're saying, uh, and I don't mean to just reduce it down to something, but basically it's don't try this at home. And there are different levels of people that, you know, there are certainly athletes that can do things that you and I can't do. And perhaps you and I can do things that other people can't do and are certainly different abilities across the spectrum of people. But when you see someone on a, on a readily accessible uh, BMX bike do a triple flip over a, uh, you know, in a BMX type of a situation, does the kid at home who does who tries to imitate that and then becomes a paraplegic because he's now snapped his neck, sure. where does that liability sit? You know, and I personally don't think there would be liability. I think what's happening is, especially in sports, is you've got young athletes watching and they have access to how to throw a football and how to uh, ski down a, a ski run unlike ever ever before. And it's really raised the bar on athletic performance, on on building confidence in a young man or woman being able to watch what the best in the world are doing and think to themselves, I can do that too. Um, From a selfie standpoint, if you remember the blog post I shared, there was a young woman just just dangerously positioned at the edge of a thousand foot cliff with her hands up in the air and her friends taking her selfie. And for me, that's what I'm focused on is when that happens, what responsibility lies in the person who actually is setting up and posing for the selfie? How about the owner of the land that's making that that dangerous cliff selfie available? And if it's public property or if it's a paid excursion with an adventure type of company, who bears the risk, who bears the burden, who bears the liability under those circumstances? I think, Craig, you'll agree with me. It probably comes down to contract law. It probably comes down to written waivers assumption of risk documents and disclaimers. And once again, I'm okay with that. The general public just needs to understand and appreciate the fact that 
there's a new phenomenon going on out there that may or may not be placing the average citizen at more risk, and they're not realizing it because you get wrapped up in the moment and you don't appreciate the danger that's ha- that you're potentially uh, exposing yourself to at the same time. So we'll have to see what happens. Right. Well, and maybe my next question steps into the criminal arena, but you know, certainly taking uh a picture of your body parts that uh, men have been known to do um, mm, mm. and the sexual nature of that and the child pornography and all of those types of things that play into the, the criminal side of selfies. Certainly there's a different kind of liability there, but where are, where are you seeing issues arise on that criminal side? You know, I haven't thought about that, but you're absolutely right. Uh, Boy, that's just another selfie approach, right? So I'm happy to say that I know in California, we've had a couple of new statutes come down, uh, sextortion-related statutes and statutes that address the issue you just brought up. Uh, you know, codifying the fact that it's it's a criminal act and, and people can be prosecuted for that. For any of the lawyers listening to this podcast, I think the big challenge comes down to both from a prosecutor standpoint, a criminal defense attorney standpoint, it comes down to authentication and foundation under our evidence code. And so it's really important that if something like that happens, document it, screenshot it. Uh, For attorneys that are litigating, make sure you're crossing your T's and dotting your I's with foundation and authenticity issues, because if somebody posts something on YouTube... And by this time you see this video, it's been downloaded and posted on two or three other platforms. And it's that third platform that your client sees and wants to bring an action on. That's three steps away from the original video. It could have been altered. It could have been changed. It could have been modified. And you may have some admissibility issues. So definitely pay attention to the evidence code when dealing with this stuff. Circling back full circle, Craig, to the hypothetical that you just shared, when somebody does do that, you know, I would love to see them be prosecuted. And I would love to see that evidence, that photograph be used to put them behind bars. I have no problem with that. In some instances, it has been. Well, Mitch, it looks like we just about reached the end of our program. I want to invite you to share your final thoughts along with your contact information for our listeners. So uh, we'll give you a chance to wrap up. I can wrap up quickly. First of all, Craig, thanks for having me on. I appreciate and I enjoy your work. I'm listening to your podcast when I run. If anybody wants to connect with me, just jump over to streaming.lawyer. That's my blog where I share selfies. That's where I share videos and a lot of other social media content. And uh, I'm looking forward to connecting with your, with your listeners. Great. Thank you very much. We've had Mitch Jackson talking about selfies today. Well, if you like what you heard, please rate us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or your favorite podcasting app. You can also visit us at LegalTalkNetwork.com, where you can leave a comment on today's show and sign up for our newsletter. I'm Craig Williams. Thanks for listening. Join us next time for another great legal topic. When you want legal, think lawyer to lawyer. Thanks for listening to Lawyer to Lawyer, produced by the broadcast professionals at Legal Talk Network. Subscribe to the RSS feed on LegalTalkNetwork.com or in iTunes. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer.
The Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast, your resource for the tips and tactical advice you need to grow your business. Plus, keep up with the news and commentary you crave to stay one step ahead. It's hosted by me, Guy Sakalakis. And me, Conrad Song. Every other week, we break down the issues holding back your marketing strategy and talk about the changes you need to be prepared for. Check out the Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube.